Thank you for tuning in to the Crossover Podcast. We hope this message inspires you and grows your faith. To learn more about Crossover, visit our website at crossovernorman.com or find us on Facebook and Instagram at Crossover Norman. Enjoy the message. Students, you want to know something? Is that so many of us rush into dating and we try to run before we can walk and we try to leave phase one before we are ready to go to phase two and because of that we are beaten, we are broken, we, we got our faces are all messed up but our hearts are all broken. Anybody been there before? Students, I don't claim to have the perfect formula about relationships. I, I can't even look at my past and say I have a perfect, perfect dating record but I do know this, who and how you date determines who and how you are married. And who and how you are married determines how you represent Jesus. Since you are here today on, uh, on a very rainy, cold Tuesday night with potential of storms, you're just, this is an extra ticket in the heaven tonight, all right? Maybe because you don't have school tomorrow, right? Come on, praise Jesus, right? I can assume since you are here tonight, there are some words that you want to hear at the end of your life when you're standing toe-to-toe, face-to-face with Jesus. Does anybody want to hear some certain words from Jesus when you get to heaven? You want to hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. Do you want to know what I think is killing many people's potential from being a good and faithful servant of Jesus Christ on this planet? Marrying the wrong person. I'm not saying that you can't be a good and faithful servant by marrying the wrong person, but I can just say this, you can be a lot more difficult. You have someone weighing you down rather than running the race with you. You have someone tearing you down rather than building you up in Christ. You have someone constantly being negative towards you, being filled with fear and darkness rather than spreading the light of the gospel and the love of Jesus Christ into you. Students, listen. Who and how you date determines who and how you are married, and who and how you are married determines how you represent Jesus. Let's not skip phase one and try to run before we can walk. Let's make sure that you date right before you ever decide, please, please before you ever decide to marry somebody. Uh, The title of this series is titled You, Me, and We, and tonight I want to look at at the you part. What does the other person uh, supposed to look like? We need to have some of an evaluation stage. Is that okay? Can we evaluate before we attach our life to somebody? Is that okay? You're like, well, I just want someone to go on a date with, right? Like, okay, well, you're at crossover. Four to one odds, guys. Come on, make it happen, right? My goodness. And it's mostly girls. If you're a girl here tonight, come on now. Let's get a little praise to Jesus, all right? Okay, four of y'all, all right. Uh, Jesus led me to a little bit of a different approach tonight about teaching uh, with dating. Um, He actually led me to Colossians 3, uh, and what we are learning about in Colossians 3 tonight is that 
Uh, Paul, a, a little bit before this letter, had led someone very important to, uh, to Christ. And this guy goes back and he goes back to his hometown and he starts spreading the good news of the gospel. And, and he actually church planted this church in uh, Colossians. And now Paul and Timothy, they're actually writing this letter back to the, the church here. And he, they had received word that they had been, uh, that there had been some people that were false teachers teaching uh, about the gospel, and what they wanted to do is they wanted to help the situation out and to encourage their believers in their growth be, uh, before their Christian maturity. And Paul's greatest purpose was to set forth the absolute supremacy of Jesus Christ over every matter. Now you ask, how is this tie up with dating well, let's, let's, let's look at the scripture, okay? Here we go. Colossians 3, it says this, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated. At the right hand of God, set your minds on things above, not on things that are earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ and God. With Christ, who is your life, appears, and you will also appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil, desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry, on account of the, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away, anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices, and you've put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is no Greek, there is no Jew, circumcised and upcircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one of you has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. And above all, put, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing songs and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness into your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. You know, in years past, um, especially in the first week of relationship series, um, I would always kind of separate, like, this is what she must be, and this is what he must be, and we, and we would walk through the must-be's, and we'd walk through some of these things, and I was like, you know what, like, like maybe that's just, that's just taking it one step too far. Because I think that who I want to speak to tonight, um, I'm speaking to everyone. I think that you can look into, if you're dating someone right now, um, if you are engaged to someone right now, I talked to like four people that are engaged in here tonight, right? You can always evaluate where you're at right now. But who I want to speak to, especially tonight, are the first encounters. The first encounters. Though who, those who are making their first initial contact with this person of the opposite sex. Because when you are evaluating someone to see if that person is right with you, um, and before you make those next certain steps, you know, I, I don't think that the marriage roles apply just yet. 
Guys, you are not supposed to love and lead a woman as Christ has loved the church. And women, you are not supposed to submit and respect a man as it is fitting uh, fitting to the Lord. Now, I know some of you girls are like, did you just say submit, right? Don't be, hey, you know that's right. You heard submit, and you're like, did he really just say that? Let me tell you a little secret about marriage. It is just as hard for guys to love and to lead you as Christ has loved this church as it is for you to love and respect and submit to your husband. I'm telling you, you've probably seen it in your own house. How hard is it for your dad to love and to lead your, your mom? It's just, it's just as hard as it is for her to love and respect your father. And when it doesn't work, it's a crazy chaos. When he doesn't do his role, and when she doesn't do her role, it's, just, it's, a, it's a storm. We're going to talk about that more later, amen? All right, relationship series, okay? But in this text, Paul has taken a turn of shifts. He t- he's taken a shift from the theological perspective of the supremacy of Christ and saying, this is what it is, this is, this is how Christ has loved us and he makes the whole world work and, and, and we don't have to work for his love. He gave himself freely in order for us to have a relationship with him. And if anyone teaches that doctrine that is different than that, then he says, like, run them out of the church. But he takes his turn in chapter 3 where it's the believer's response to the supremacy of Christ in their own life. If they have trusted Jesus with their life, there there is a process. There are steps needed to be taken to move from their old self, to remove their old self, and to put on their new self. To take off the old self that looks like the world and to put on their new self that is, that is looking like Christ. Now, side note here. I just wanted to say this side note because I like to preach about this every single week. Is that you need to quit thinking that a lot of us need to quit thinking that we need to have all our mess together in order to get to Jesus. Right? I want to go. I'm going to quit all these things and I want to be perfect. And then I'm going to come to Jesus. And then then all this is going to work and everything's going to be right. Listen, you don't have to have have all your mess together to be right with Jesus. You have to get Jesus in order to get all your mess together, all right? You got to hear that. Jesus wants to love you exactly where you're at. He wants to help you exactly where you're at. He loves you exactly for who you are at this moment in your life. So how does this fit in with dating? I think if when breaking down this scripture, Paul is trying to describe someone in this text in chapter 3 whose life reflects the light and the love of Jesus Christ. He doesn't put a gender role on it. He doesn't put a job title on it. He simply lays out, here are some ways for those who claim to love Jesus, this is what they should be. If I were you, which I'm not, but if I were you, I would think, Man, it would be pretty healthy for me to look at Paul's writings here and probably put a standard on the person that I am supposed to date, and I should probably look at what he says and seeing how he communicates it, and I think that you should look at this and kind of make this as as a little bit of a check mark when you are in the process of getting to know somebody. Are you okay with that? Can we break the scripture down? Okay. Everyone say okay. 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 I heard only girls, okay. 
They're holier, I'm telling you. And there's no guys that's going to come next week. Awesome. So where do we start off here? First one, he says, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek things that are above. What do we need to evaluate? We need to evaluate what do they seek. See, if this person comes into your life and, and you're all googly-eyed over them and they're all googly-eyed over you and you're excited about it, your heart's beating, you're like, oh my goodness, this is awesome, right? Like, like you're just like, man, I, like I'm, I'm digging them, right? And you're like, listen, first thing you need to do is, say, is slap yourself in the face and say, stop it, right? Just don't, don't slap yourself in the face, all right? But you really do need to check yourself right? Seriously though, how many of us have had feelings for someone before we got to know them? I, I think that there's been about mm, 112 guys walk up to me in the past four years at Crossover and be like, bro, who's that girl over there? Like seriously, tell me who that girl is over there. Like, oof, I gotta get, I gotta get her name, all right? I got Brent, Brent, Make this happen, bro. Like, I, mm, I'm in love. Oh, I'm in love, bro. All right. Girls, don't be laughing. Mm-mm. How many girls have come up to me? Oh, Brent, listen, I don't do this. But that guy over there, he's looking good. He's looking good. I mean, just like, like my heart's pounding. Like, I, I'm in love, right? I'm like, stop it, guys. Like, stop it. All right. My goodness. They're gorgeous, right? It's crazy. You know what the Bible says about feelings? Is that they're lies. Feelings can manipulate. Feelings are not always leading to holiness. In Jeremiah, it actually says this, is that the heart is deceitful above all. You can't trust your feelings. When everyone says, trust your gut, no, why don't we trust Jesus in his word, amen? Side note here, when you step back and you protect yourself from, from, from leaping into that, and you control yourself not to leap with your feelings, but you decide to lean on your faithfulness in his word, you show that you care more about your relationship with Jesus than you care about your relationship with anybody else. So when you meet someone, you might have that connection, but you need to interrogate where their mind is at. What, what are they seeking? Here in, the, let, here in the, le, the letter, it says later that they need to not only seek things from above, but they also need to set their minds on things that are above. There are over 20 to 30 scriptures on, on, in the Bible about seeking. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door shall be opened unto you. Seek the Lord and he will give you rest. Seek, 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 and the Lord will give, give, give. You want to know that what that tells me about the majority of the Bible verses that talk about seek is that if you are seeking Jesus, you are finding Jesus. And if you are seeking Jesus and you are finding Jesus, then you're becoming more like Jesus. And when you become more like Jesus, you will want more of Jesus and you will want to be less like the world. So students, 
How about when you go on that first like coffee date or that first like dinner date or that first like friend group date or if you're cool like me, your first hangout is at Walmart, okay? I was broke, all right? I, didn't, I couldn't afford even Taco Bell, right? I was like, let's just go hang out. And we literally, we went to Walmart, I'm not lying to you, and we sat in the furniture section for four hours, kicking back in the lazy boys, talking to each other, Hey, it worked. I got the ring. All right, guys? Don't be hating. I don't know how. I don't know how. If there is a God, here's the proof. Amen. How about when you have that first encounter with that person and you're getting to know them and y'all are talking? Why don't you just ask them, hey, what do you want to do with your life? Let's just stop off. Let's just start with just like a little, a little easy question. What do you want to do with your life? And then just don't say anything, okay? Some of us need to learn to listen more than we need to learn to talk, okay? And, and you need to learn and step back and listen and just evaluate. How many times do they talk about Jesus? You know what, I want to do this with my life and I want to be sure that, that, that I'm doing things right because I want to make sure that I'm in the word of God and I want to do this. Why don't you just sit back and evaluate? That's a snowball question. That's easy to answer, right? Why don't you kick it up a notch and say, what does your relationship with Jesus look like right now? Brent, that's just so serious. That's too quick, Right? Man, if you can't ask someone about their relationship with Jesus right now because it might make them uncomfortable, then slap yourself in the face, all right? Like, like we're here about, I don't know why I keep on saying, don't slap yourself in the face, all right? Check yourself, all right? I'm going to get in trouble by my wife by saying that. This is what I, I found out, students, in my over a decade worth of college ministry in my life. The people who don't like to talk about Jesus are those who really don't talk to Jesus. Because on the flip side of that, I can tell how much someone talks to Jesus by how much they want to tell you about Jesus. If someone is seeking Jesus daily, if they are hungry and they are thirsty for Jesus, it will be evident. Because if you ask someone who loves Jesus and is seeking them daily and is diligent in their walk with Jesus, when you ask them about Jesus, it's going to be a breath of fresh air because they're going to look at you and they're going to be excited about you because they know that you care about their walk with Jesus because your walk with Jesus matters to you. We gotta care about walking and talking with Jesus. Have you ever heard someone talking about an amazing experience in their life and they don't want you to miss any details? Like when they go to Disney World, right? Like I went to Disney World and oh my goodness, like I rode this ride and I got, I got splashed in the face and I took some, some pictures with like Goofy and Minnie, right? And I was giving the deuces, like, like I had so much fun. I actually got sick here and I threw up in this, in this trash can, but man, I was still like just having so much fun. Like they give so many details and they are excited about it. Students, when you are seeking and you are finding Jesus and you are setting your mind on Jesus, you will have an experience with Jesus that you are excited to talk about. If the person that you are trying to, to learn and try to evaluate, if they have an experience with Jesus that has changed them, they will want to tell you about it. 
They will want to tell you about what Jesus has done for them. They will say, man, you know what? I was at this hard place in my life, and now I gave my life to Jesus, and Jesus did this for me, and he rose me up. Man, I thought that I was going to go this direction in my life, but Jesus took me this direction in my life, and I'm excited about it. You know what? It was really rough then, but you know what? I wouldn't change then for anything because it's brought me to where I am now, and I love Jesus, and I care about Jesus, and I'm excited about Jesus. You can evaluate where their mind is at. You can evaluate what they're seeking. But that's not the only thing that he talks about here. In verse 5, he says this. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. He goes on later, and he adds just a little bit more to the list. Why not? Let's put away all anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk. From your, from your mouth. Don't lie to one another. You know, what he's telling me here is simply this. You need to evaluate this, is what do they kill? What do they put to death from their old life? Students, if I can just get real with you just for a second, this is a little more personal. It's about five, five or six years ago, I called my favorite uncle. He's only, my uncle's only about eight or nine years older than me. All right? He's more like a, just an older cousin. Um, but I used to call him and I used to seek some counsel on some things. Usually it was like, hey, how do I get this one girl? Like, like, it was like, how do I, like, how do I talk to this girl? And, and he would give me some advice and it worked. He was a ladies' man. All right, he was. But I remember about, about five or six years ago, I was already married, okay, and I was seeking some advice. There were some things that was happening at the church I was at, and I, was, and I called him, and I was like, hey, Unc, what's going on? And he's like, hey, Brent, I'm at the beach, and da da da, da. and I could just tell uh, that he was drunk, and I was like, well, and I knew that he w- probably wasn't going to give me some sound advice at that time, and so I was like, well, whatever, and I was like, well, okay, have a good one, and I hung up on him. Uh, and then for the next, like, probably year, every time that I would call him, probably the next seven times, every time that I would call him, um, he was drunk. It didn't matter what time of the day, um, and it just became a, a family problem. We all started seeing that, that he was just becoming a very bad alcoholic at every hour of the day. And finally, this went on about a year, and what ended up happening is, is my aunt actually ended up going to a different house and, um, and they were trying to figure some things out, but eventually his drinking just got even more worse and then the kids ended up just moving in full time with her and they actually you know, detached their life from him um, and he lost everything. He lost, his, he lost his friends, he lost his finances, he lost his, his family, and it was, just, it was just really hard on us. And I remember one morning I was, praying to, uh, I was praying to Jesus, and I was praying for him, and Jesus said this. He says, you need to go tell your uncle something. If he quits right now, then I will give everything back to him. I was like, I don't want to go tell him. Like, that, I don't feel like that's my job to go tell him that. And like, I ran from it. But literally, every time I'd go encounter with Jesus, Jesus would always bring this back up. And he said, just go tell him. And finally, I, I called him up. I said, Uncle, listen, man, like, this is what Jesus told me. I was like, I've never been more clear about something. And I said, if you quit everything right now and you, you give it everything back to Jesus, you will have everything that you ever had before. And what's crazy 
is that my uncle sat there and he cursed me out for the next five minutes. And he told me how much I was a judgmental Christian and that I just didn't love him, no one loved him, and he didn't care what anybody else had to say. And he wasn't going to stop. Now, it didn't only hurt me that he wouldn't stop when my aunt asked him and he didn't stop when his, when, when, when his kids asked him. It didn't, it, it didn't only hurt when I asked him to stop, but what really hurt me was simply this, is that when Jesus spoke through me to him, he wouldn't even stop through Jesus. Students, I know we can list out all the sins in this world, it's not gonna list out all the sins that we're not supposed to do, and I can say stop it, right? And you can look at people and you can evaluate their sin, but when you're evaluating someone to be in a relationship with, you need to evaluate what in their life they are willing to put to death and what are they not allowing to be put into life in their life for this reason alone. Because they love and they respect and they humble themselves before Jesus. You ready for this? If they aren't willing to kill the things in their life for Jesus now, they're not going to kill those things in their life for you later. If they're not willing to kill the things in their life, put the things to death in their life that they're not supposed to be doing now for Jesus, they're not going to kill those things in their life for you later. And what I've seen in so many relationships that end in divorce, it wasn't over things that came alive in marriage, it was over things that was already a problem before their marriage and it just got worse in marriage. People ended up hating each other because someone wouldn't quit this, or someone wouldn't quit drinking uh, uh, you know, outrageously, and it would end things, and it would just see it grow up, and just, it would stop in marriage. People who won't quit their drinking problem right now for Jesus won't quit their drinking problem for you in their marriage later. People who won't kill their anger, let's look at anger. People who won't kill their anger right now for Jesus won't quit their anger for you later. People who will not quit their gossiping right now for Jesus is not gonna quit their their gossiping for Jesus or for you later. Let us not fool ourselves into thinking that we are here to go change people. That is not our role. They're supposed to be in love with Jesus so much that they want to die now so they can enter into the holy sanction of marriage and be able to represent Jesus with everything that they can later. Students, listen to me. If I can beg one thing, if you don't listen to anything else in this sermon tonight, don't let your loneliness lower your standards of righteousness of the people that you need to date. When you lower your standards of righteousness of the people that you date, you are lowering your potential in your walk with Jesus. Protect yourself. Have pride in the fact that you are the child of the King who loves you, who cares for you, who will satisfy your every need. If you just settle for someone who doesn't surrender everything to Jesus, then you are promising constant friction in your relationship to come. Because light and dark will never be able to coexist. 
There will always be constant friction. If someone was living for the world and someone is living for Jesus, they will never be able to coexist. You are, you are automatically putting an end date on your relationship. If they won't quit for Jesus now, they won't quit for you later. But it doesn't end there. We are to kill what is earthly, and in verse 12 it says this. It says, put on then as God chosen one, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, and above all, put on love which binds everything together in perfect harmony. We're supposed to evaluate what? What they seek, we're supposed to evaluate what they kill, and now we get to see, we need to evaluate what they put on. I wanted to say, uh, we need to evaluate their swag. I just, I just didn't think I was cool enough. You know, like I'm just, I'm just not that preacher, all right? I'm sorry, I just don't think I'm cool enough to say to evaluate their swag. But in all seriousness, seriousness, <clears throat> what does their life look like now? This is when this comes, the, the longer part, the harder part of the evaluation stage. This was River's last steps, right? He's holding on, he's holding on to his final last thing, right? The, the coffee table. And he's evaluating, am I ready to leave this coffee table in order to really walk, right? This is your last evaluation process before you really start to like, okay, you know what? I think that, that I'm okay with dating this person. I think I'm okay with, with, with really connecting my life with this, with, with this person. This is the longer part of the evaluation stage as well. Because you can listen to people's words and they can fool you. You can witness people lifting their hands at crossover and lifting their hands and worshiping uh, Jesus at crossover at church and they can fool you. They can even fool you with how much knowledge that they have about the Bible or the long prayers that they make at the dinner table. But the way people cannot fool you in how much or how well they love Jesus is evaluating how well they love people. How someone loves people reflects how much someone loves Jesus. This is gonna take a little time. This is gonna be a little longer in your evaluation stage because you need to see them react with multiple people in different environments. Students, can we just quit, quit this dating thing that, that, that I feel like our generation has, has um, just opted into? This, this thing that, hey, I wanna go on a date with you, all right? I think you look good, you know that I look good, right? And, and I wanna take you on a date, and then you go on a date and it's like, bam, you're in a relationship. You know what I'm saying? It's like, well, well, you went on a date with me, so that must mean like, like we're, we're dating, and it's like, well, if you go on a date with anyone else, then man, I'm gonna get my feelings hurt, and da-da-da-da-da. It's like, let's stop it, okay? Let, like, let's man up, let's, let's woman up a little bit and say, you know what, I wanna, I wanna get to know you. We can go on a coffee date, we can go take, we can, you can take me to, to Walmart, okay? Come on now, because that's where the extra holy people go. But listen, we're gonna go there, we're gonna get to know one another, but there's no strings attached. Like, we are not in a relationship. You know what, if I wanna go and, and hang out with someone else at Walmart tomorrow, like, it's okay, all right? Let's be grown-ups about it, okay? Like, let's, 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 let's make the evaluation stage longer than just one day, amen? I thought I was gonna get a lot more amens from that, but. 
Let's be able to go hang out a little bit more. Maybe, just maybe, when you hang out with someone, why don't you get to learn some questions? Why don't you ask them some questions? Maybe you get your friend groups together. Maybe, maybe he or she, y'all do go on a coffee date. Maybe you just see how they interact with people. Why don't you get your friend groups together and y'all go hang out at a place and you get to see how that person interacts with your friends. And why don't you ask your friends who you love and trust, like what do you think about this person and really listen to your friends, amen? Like listen to your friends because they know who you are and they know Know what that person might be like, and they know that you might not be able to coexist. Amen? Do they have kindness? Do they have humility? Do they have patience? Bearing with one another. And here's a big kicker. All right, I think this is a big testimony here, is how do they forgive people? I didn't understand grudge holding until I got married. My wife and I, when first couple months married, everything was great, everything was wonderful. I moved her to Arkansas, out to the boondocks, right? And we started hanging out a little bit, then we started hanging out a little too much, and I swear it was like one day, like, we just started arguing about everything. If the volume on the TV was turned up too loud, like she was nagging at me. If she even like breathed on me the wrong way, I'm like, just quit breathing on me, right? And like we're just, she would be like, don't nag at me. And I'd be like, just quit trying to control everything. And it was just like the air is too hot, the air is too cold, the bed's too fluffy. Like it's just like everything we were arguing about. And we talked about this last year, but we had a fight that was a fight of the decade. It was, about, it was about a banana pill, a banana pill. I threw the banana pill in the bathroom trash can. She was mad that I threw it in the bathroom trash can. I was mad that she was mad that I threw it in the bathroom trash can because I threw it where? In the trash can, all right? Oh my goodness, I'm telling you, it was a knockdown like just brawl, like man, and it's just like, it wasn't even about the banana pill at, the, at some point. We're just saying, who could say the most hurtful things to the other person, right? It's just a downward slope. She even made fun of my baldness at one point, like, oh my gosh. <laughs> but listen, we held a grudge. We didn't talk for like a, like a day and a half. I'm telling you, when she would walk by me, I would look down, I wouldn't even look at her. When she went and I would walk by, she just would look, she would like look at her cell phone. Like we held the biggest grudge forever. And don't let her tell you different, but I just got tired of it because I love Jesus more and I asked for forgiveness. And that's my story, and I'm sticking to it, okay? Just don't ask her, okay? Here's what I think about what we need to evaluate. Is does the person that you're walking with and that you're talking with and you're evaluating, does he forgive people without them asking for it? If you want to see, a, a, I'm telling you, it's just a different type of person. Someone that something wrong can happen to and they're able to be able to say, you know what, 
I'm, I'm, a, I'm a man of God or I'm a woman of God. You know what, I'm, I'm going to brush a lot of the little things off. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm not going to get hung up on a lot of the little things, but, but, am I, but just witnessing those people just, just not get hung up on so many things and they're willing to, to forgive that person before they even have to ask for it. You know what I'm saying? That's just a different type of person that just loves Jesus in just a certain type of way because what it says here is that if that can... If they can forgive people, it's because, not just because they're a great person, it's because they know that they have been forgiven by Jesus. And they constantly are reminded that they are a sinner that was saved by grace. How many times do we sin daily and we don't ask for forgiveness for them, amen? And Jesus constantly forgives us. And you know what, they are a type of person that they are willing to forgive most people. I'm not gonna say every single person, but I'm gonna say most of the things they're able to forgive, they're able to forget, and they're able to move on and not hold a grudge with. Let me tell you something about a grudge holder. Students, you need to be mindful of grudge holders because grudge holders don't evaluate what Christ has forgiven them and they feel, and they don't even think about that. They need to feel the control of you and your relationship with your past mistakes. Grudge holders are pain holders and that, that they want you to feel small and they want you to make them feel big. See, forgivers are people who love Jesus that want to forgive you because it makes Jesus look big and it makes them look small. But as we end here, I just wanted you to think about a couple things when we evaluate people and what they're putting on. I need you to ask yourself, how well is this person, how, how well do they love Jesus how well do they love Jesus is a reflection of how well they love others. And here's a turn, is how well they love people around them now is foreshadowing on how well they're gonna love you later. If someone is short with people right now, if someone is unforgiving with people right now, if someone is not humble and not patient with people right now, listen students, they are not gonna be these things for you later. Another note here is you need to look in how well they love people to the feet of Jesus. You need to marry somebody. You need to be in a relationship with somebody that their goal, their main fact in this life, their main desire in this life is not only to talk about Jesus, but bring people to Jesus. How well are these people leading people to Jesus? And let me just take this from a father note, because if people are not talking and leading people to Jesus now, they're not going to talk and lead your children to Jesus. And that's something big I think that we all should think about, is how are we taking them to the feet of Jesus? Verse 14 and 15 says it this way. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything in perfect harmony, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. Students, when evaluating their swag or evaluating what they put on, evaluate their peace with Jesus now. If they don't have peace with Jesus now, let me tell you a little secret. Life doesn't get easier after college. Life gets a little harder after college. If it's not easier now, if someone doesn't have a peace with Jesus now, if they continue the same pace that they're living now, then they're not gonna have peace with Jesus Later. Now, don't get me wrong, I think people can grow, I think people can mature, 
But I'm telling you, it's a lot harder. So as I just wrap up here, I know I went a little long, but I, I felt like, like Jesus really wanted me to talk about this. Relationships with you, they need to start with a good evaluation. See, the better you evaluate is the better that you will know someone and you can know if that they're the right person to you. So please, I beg you, don't let your standards of people be lowered because of your loneliness. Let your standards of righteousness just continue to get higher because you are worth it. You are a child of God. And I want you to know this, is who and how you date is important because that's who and how you get married. And when you get married and who and how you get married, it reflects how much you love and you're gonna live for Jesus. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for you. Thank you for your word. And let us not take lightly the fact that, that our role on this earth is to glorify you with our life. And Lord, I believe that the second biggest decision of our life beyond making you the savior of our world is for us to, to, to marry the right person. I think for a lot of us, we're gonna marry the right people and I, I think that we need to make that decision. And Lord, I ask for everybody here to have the patience in, in seeking the right person for them, seeking the person that you want them to have and let them be able to take these steps tonight in order to evaluate the person that they want to date. And Lord, at the end of the day, give them just constant love. Give them constant wisdom, constant discernment on, on the next steps of their life and, and who and how they need to date. Lord, some of us, we've had broken relationships. A lot of us, we've had a lot of broken hearts. And Lord, I ask for you to mend them and let them be able to see that, that at the end of the day, our, our biggest relationships needs to be starting with you. And we should never go seek another relationship until we make sure that our relationship with you is first and foremost. For some of us tonight, we need to just be able to lay down our life and say, you know what, God, I give you my past, I give you, I give you my present, I give you my future, and Lord, I just wanna just be able to surrender my life to you, and you know what, I wanna date right, but I know that before I date right, I need to make sure that, I'm, I, I'm my, that me and you are right. And guys, listen, don't run to people to find your peace. Run to Jesus to find your peace. So as we close up now, we're gonna have prayer team at the front. We're gonna have, we're gonna have prayer team all around. I, I ask for you just to go pray for them. Pray, pray for what is going on in your life and maybe you need to pray for some of your past. You need to be able to grow through that. So as we stand up here tonight, let's praise Jesus with these last couple of songs. Let's be able to give him everything.